Well, 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 what have we here? Another podcast for the pile. Only this one's by me, your host, Kyle Shutt, and I am so excited to play these conversations for you. I've got some of rock and roll's finest, but it doesn't stop with just musicians. I've got authors, record producers, comic book artists, might even have a trapeze act or something eventually if it goes well enough. But I will say that if you like what you hear today, go ahead and follow where you can follow. Subscribe where you can subscribe. If you want to help support a little bit more, you can find us on Patreon at The Highway with Kyle Shutt. We got uh, three patrons right now. Exactly three. We have a shout out to uh, Bob Bechtall, Mike Young, and Bob Mavity. Couldn't do it without y'all. Join in the fun if you want a shout out. This week on the show, we have Mr. Neil Fallon from Clutch. Like he needs an introduction. I am so damn excited to launch this podcast. Uh, I never thought I would say that. I guess I talk now. Who needs a guitar? I'm just kidding. I love guitar. This is, I guess this is normally where we would talk about our sponsors, but we don't have any. This is episode number one. So I guess that means there's no business to take care of. And I, I like it like that just fine, because that means I get to do things my way. The Highway. Hey, what's up, Neil? Hi, Kyle. How are you? Neil Fallon, everybody, from Clutch and many other uh, projects. Thank you so much for joining us. Of course. My pleasure. I'm not yeah, busy. How's, uh, yeah, uh, you're uh, up in Maryland, I know, but where, where specifically? Like Silver Spring? or Yeah, Silver Spring, uh, the suburbs of Washington, D.C. We actually uh, just moved this summer, which was kind of an experience after our old house we were in for like oh, close to 20 years, which is like extracting a hermit crab out of its shell. Yeah, my God. But um, yeah, like it's a, a greater metropolitan DC area. Sounds lovely. It is. I, you know, <laughs> having been, you know, there's there's better places than this, but there's a whole lot of other places that are worse. So I'm I'm happy to be here. Yeah, for uh, has the uh, any of the protests or anything like that kind of bled out to to where you are? Uh not really. You know, those things. I mean, yeah, they're they're ugly and they're um, kind of it it sucks. But they always get kind of overblown um, by the TV when they play like the same shot of that one street corner over and over again, and it would lead you right. to believe that the whole city's on fire. Um, I think the only tangible that we kind of experience is the uh, the helicopters. We have um, you know Marine One and Two, kind of we're right close to the Washington D.C. Beltway, so that they use that as like a a flight path. So we're constantly getting buzzed by them and sort of some spooky black helicopters because of the uh, transition of power. It happens every four years. It, they yeah they do background radiation checks, which is never a, a great way to fall asleep. <laughs> it's all the chemtrails they're leaving. Every, oh, it's awful. I'm sure, man. Yeah. Uh, what, what's a guy to do? Right. Right. Well, um, yeah. I just uh, I didn't necessarily have anything specific I wanted to talk to you about, but I did um, sort of want to comment on. The fact that uh, bands of, of y'all's generation, kind of the, the generation before the sword and everything came around, existed in this sort of interesting kind of gray area before social media, but also kind of after MTV stopped playing videos and everything. Mm-hmm. And like, there's just not a lot of like picture proof or, you know, uh, there's, you know, there's no clutch documentary or anything like that for mm-hmm. that people can like digest on. And I just kind of wanted to 
to ask you what it was like in in the late '80s and uh, early '90s, just getting in the van and and kind of like what life on the road was like back then versus how it was uh, obviously before the pandemic and everything like that. But just uh, just the differences and and just uh, at the shows between you know or even getting to the shows with no smartphones, no internet, no <laughs> nothing except for an atlas and a, a notebook with a bunch of phone numbers. Uh, it's funny that you bring that up because. We were actually having a conversation about just that uh, the other day because we were doing uh, putting together kind of the pre-roll for the show for Doom Saloon 3, which happened just the night before last, and it forced us to kind of look back in a bit of a retrospective. And, and on one hand, I'm so glad that iPhones weren't around to document everything, <laughs> you know, because that could have been real real shitty. Yeah, <laughs> there's... there's <laughs> Sometimes forgetting is a mercy, you know, sometimes, you know, having, you know, no documentation of something is a mercy. Sure. Absolutely. You know, you, you want to remember the good times, but you don't necessarily want to remember everything. Um, you know, whether by it's by your choice or someone else's, you're sure the the iPhones are handy. Uh, but to answer your question, um, there, there was a flyer that we were looking at and the flyer basically had, directions on how to get to the club you know it's written you know go up i-95 you know, if you're coming from philadelphia or coming from south how to get to this particular club in baltimore and this exit to take and that exit to take um and that was you know when we were going to shows that's what it was like but then touring i remember on our first tour i actually went to triple a and i got what's called a triptych and you tell them where you're going and they print out um maps and you just kind of flip these things it's almost like a notebook um on how to get from point a to point b and i remember being real proud of myself and getting in the van saying guy i went to triple a and, and got these triptychs <laughs> and everybody was like hey, fuck off and they immediately went into the trash and just had a laminated trucker's atlas and yep it was a great Education. Uh, I think I often think about you know touring is probably one of the best or travel in any capacity is one of the best educations you could ask for. Absolutely. And you know you got to call the club. That means stopping at a truck stop, standing in line sometimes with change in your hands, or you know paging somebody and then waiting for them to call back. Uh, it was much more time consuming, but it offered more opportunities for observation of the real world i think man that's awesome i uh i, I remember because uh, the sword i mean i didn't even have a, a cell phone until the first tour that we did i was like oh i guess i gotta get a cell phone now but even that was a luxury mm -hmm. back then and uh but, but we still had you know we would print out uh map quest directions yeah. and stuff like that and uh uh we had a you could go to cracker barrel and you could get a book called the next exit and it was a list of every single exit off of every single highway in the, uh, in the States. And it would just tell you what was there. I was like, where, wow. where are we right now? Like, <laughs> like I 40 between Asheville and Charlotte. It's like, okay, uh, we're, we're coming up on 182. Okay. I th there's a, uh, there's a Wendy's <laughs> yeah. and a, sh and a Shoney's like, yeah, it's like, no, keep driving, keep driving. So uh, the, those are the good old days. But, uh, I, I remember very well, um, the first time, I guess it was 2008 was about the time that smartphones became pretty, prevalent uh, within mm. like touring uh, groups and stuff. And we were on, uh, we were on a tour, we were on a bus. And I, I remember sitting in the back lounge of the bus 
with four other people that all four had iPhones. And it was the first time I had seen just four people staring at their phone. And I just felt all alone. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know, just like, like, what is happening right now? But yeah, now it's the norm. That was, what, 12 years ago? So it's just crazy how much that's changed. And just people with holding them up at shows and, and stuff like that. Does that get on your nerves as much as it does mine? Um, people, Yes you know? and no. Not so much that I feel like they're not paying attention to me because of some kind of, you know, ego bruising. But there's something to be said, like what... Are you going to such and such a place to experience it then and there? Or are you going it to document it to show people? You know? Yeah. Like, if do you go to the Grand Canyon for the photo op? Or do you just go there to say, whoa? You know? Yeah. And I think that's the same with shows. Um, you know, I'm not, I'm not mad. Like, I don't think I would ever, like, have a meltdown about it. But it kind of makes me sad. And I know I'm, I'm – I can't really – point finger because I'm guilty of it as well. There's been times where my kid has like asked me questions and I've answered and I realized when all is said and done, I never looked up from my phone and, <laughs> and that, that sucks. That's, that's, yeah. that is bad parenting. And you know, there's plenty of times where I'm like, I'm deleting all my social media accounts, you know, basically going off the grid, you know, of, right. of that. And it's very tempting to do that, but at the same time, being in a band, it's almost, it, it's hard for someone of my age to like appreciate and understand that someone who's maybe 15 expects that as the base norm in some ways. Mm -hmm. uh, at the end of the day, I just can't keep trying to remind myself it, the song is what matters. You know, the, the performance, the writing of the song, the performance of the song, everything else is extra. Um, yeah. And not to put the carriage in front of the horse, so to speak. Totally. I, um, it's funny though. There, there always has been that personality type of the person that has to record the show. It's just that now that everybody has a, you know, high quality phone in their or camera in their pocket, uh, it's just become much more widespread. But the, even in the eighties or, or early nineties, there was always that dude with the camcorder yeah. at the show. You're like, Oh, look at this dweeb. But in, during this time of, uh, everyone having to stay at home, I've totally like, appreciated them having done that because I've gone back and watched so many concerts from like 95 at the Trocadero dead milkman or something like that, or just, you know, any kind of thing where I'm like, you know, I'm, I'm totally happy with this crappy video <laughs> right now. So yeah, I don't know. I, I'm not a big fan of demonizing things. It's, you know, anything could be evil if, if used improperly, but you know, you just have to find that balance. I guess the, the, you know, the farther back you go, the more rare, you know, the more valuable it is. Like the guy that I forget his name, the, the, um, I don't know what the right word is filmographer he did uh, he has, he's got a YouTube channel and he was back in the 60s he would film like the birds meets Earl Scruggs oh my god it's amazing it's, it's the best videos ever and he was probably a real pain in the ass back then you know <laughs> changing reels yeah and it's like changing real reels real and like saying <laughs> you know here's my giant rig and you guys gotta perform now anyone can be that dude so it devalues it in some ways yeah. and you know it's uh I mean, I guess that's that's the world we live in, and you got to adapt. But like I said, it's um, and and, I, and what I I think what kind of what gets on my nerves about it is the the thumbs up and thumb da down on stuff because mm -hmm. we really all live in, in an embarrassment of riches, and sometimes we'll you know Clutch will put something up and invariably there's the guy who's already decided he doesn't like it before 
he's seen it or heard it because yeah. that's the kind of person he or she is. And I was getting real worked up the other day because we put up a free thing on YouTube where we put up four songs and we covered uh, Lord of This World. And, you know, there's a couple snarky comments. I'm like, man, this was free. You sat in your, you know, <laughs> you watched this on your phone, maybe on even on the toilet. And you're going to then you're going to talk smack about this or that. And, and then it dawned literally upon, taking a shit on it. Yeah, you know? like, <laughs> literally. Yeah. And. Then I saw there, I kind of got worked up and went down the rabbit hole on YouTube and there's this beautiful Jimi Hendrix concert. And I don't know the year, like 69, maybe of him in Maui. It's like the most surreal psychedelic setting. It's amazing. 2000 thumbs down. Like what? Really? Like really? Here's a free Jimi Hendrix concert that you can watch in your house and you're going to bug out and say, no, I don't, I don't like the camera angle. Come yeah. on, man. Yeah, it's a personality type thing though, because those people like they don't want a Jimi Hendrix concert. They just want to complain, and like they got what they wanted. Yeah, I guess. You know, I if you so. if you would give them what they wanted, they would just complain about that. You know, and it's just that's yeah, it's an unfortunate side effect of everybody having a microphone. Yeah, but, let's not talk you know. about them. <laughs> well, speaking of, of of having a microphone, um, uh, early early on in the quarantine days, uh, my daughter and I. Uh, made a band and uh, we just we sit around the house writing silly songs all day but we wrote this one song called dinosaur and i just i, I found myself just really singing along to it i was like man there's something here you know i don't, I don't know and i asked her i was like baby do you want me to make this into a real song and she was like yeah so mm-hmm. I, I just i don't know i was like i guess we're this daddy daughter combo now and uh, i'd like to put out maybe one single a year but it's funny that um it's, it's like total dad rock it's like the definition of that but then a couple of days ago you had reached out um to some fans that were uh, covering clutch songs, just, I guess the guitar player was what nine years old, and and uh, his dad was the drummer, and uh, they just put out little YouTube videos covering clutch songs, and you reached out to him and ended up making a whole original song with them, and I just thought that was so cool. But yeah, that was a hundred percent dad rock. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so I think I think we we've got a whole new thing going here. It's uh, it, it was cool, you know. It's um, I've been doing this, you know, well, and everyone in clutch has been doing this close to thirty years, and sometimes it's it's hard to see the forest for the trees and how lucky we are to be yeah. doing that long. And here's a nine-year-old kid who's maybe playing a couple in, and, and I reached out and it was like the hand of God, you know? <laughs> and, you know, we did a zoom meeting uh, just to talk about it. And he couldn't even put a sentence together. He just could, couldn't speak. And I was like, wow, I'm that guy for this kid, uh-huh. you know, it, which was like kind of was really, really humbling and, you know, very, gratifying to say you know i can make some in a, in a year that's been real crappy for just about everybody uh, just to do a simple thing like this to make someone happy and then put out a song that makes other people happy is a real cool place and opportunity to you know to be in and it's um it just goes to show you you know people talk about you know rock and roll's dead or you know this and that no no not at all because there's thousands of Tylers out there. Um, mm-hmm. And I, you know, I, I think it would be cool if every all those, you know, versions of him can meet their favorite singer or guitar player, you know, but this was, you know, my one opportunity to do it. And I think it just started as a, a lark, honestly. I think it was Nate Bergman and I were talking about it because they did some Lion Eyes covers. And we're like, you know, we should just overdub our vocals on this and post it. <laughs> and then it kind of snowballed from there and that's what we you know ended up with 
I love uh, direct fan involvement, and uh, I, I I know I know it's not for every uh, performer or creator or dude in a band or whatever, but um, I just I. It makes people so happy. I'm a, I'm a people pleaser, and I just I love reaching and when people just ask me a question, just answer it. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's, it's not that hard, and it makes them so happy um, sometimes. And it's uh, I I just it, 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 and that makes me happy. And then you just kind of like yeah, continue to spread the love like that. So I just I love that you did that because uh, that's just <laughs> it doesn't it, happen every it, day. It's it's you know, and the thing is, in hindsight, it's really easy. I mean, sometimes writing lyrics is you know can pull your hair out, but. Yeah. As far as, you know, just reaching out and saying, hey, you know, let's jam. And for us doing this for, you know, so many years and that's we may take that for granted for for them. It's like, Mm -hmm. whoa, this is excellent. And, you know, we've seen behind the curtain, you know, we've probably met, you know, some stars or heroes of ours in real life and understand what that's like. Uh, But to be on the other side of it, you know, to this, to this day, I still can't believe it. You know, like these people meaning like the father and son, like they really, really love clutch. They've probably watched that video like a thousand times by now. I mean, yeah, <laughs> yeah you know what? It's, it's all, it's all good. You know, it's, it, I, I believe that, you know, doing good needs no justification. You just do it cause it's the right thing to do and you feel compelled to do it. Absolutely. And um, <clears throat> one thing that I, I did want to bring up was that um, uh, when it comes to touring bands and stuff, especially bands on a larger scale, um, you don't really see them bring out a, a complete nobody ever. I mean, it happens from time to time. But uh, Clutch, uh, one of the reasons that I, I st- began to like your band and, and stuff, too, is because um, I, I guess the first time I saw Clutch, it would have been outside Emo's. Uh, this would have been oh three maybe something like that, and yeah. Uh, yeah, I had never heard of any of the other bands on the bill, but they were all incredible, and uh, and, and because of that, I was uh, able to discover more bands like them. Uh, I can't remember exactly who it was at the time. It might have been like Stinking Lizavetta or uh, yeah something like that I, back in the day. But I, I've seen y'all so many times, I forget who opened every time. But um, y'all always brought out just a complete unknown, and I thought that was just such a great thing. The sword uh tried to to take that mentality forward as, as we would, you know, book our own tours and, and really give bands a shot um, that deserved it. Is that something that y'all consciously did, or was it just more of like an organic thing where you're just like, I like this band, let's bring them out, you know? or um... It's, um, it's solely do we like the band, and that's mm-hmm. it. Um, it's because you're going to go on the road with somebody, and you're that's going to be the music you're going to hear to get like jazz to get on stage yourself. You don't want something that's going to bum you out, um, and and you know we've been there, and particularly when we were signed to major labels in the '90s, and played that whole game, and there's that kind of I, I don't want to even call it chess game. It's more like a checkers game where the the booking agents, you know, basically say, "Oh, if you want this tour, you got to take out this band or do this band a favor." You know, uh-huh. they're terrible. Your fans are going to hate them, but they will need to go on the road, you know? And so, okay, uh, we go on the road and, you know, it's a, it's a train wreck. Uh, no, no one's having a good time. The, that band's not having a good time. The, f- the fans aren't having a good time. I think because if somebody likes, in, in this case, Clutch, uh, by extension, they're going to like what we like. 
you know, and it doesn't necessarily have to be, you know, something that sounds just like clutch. I mean, I can remember taking a, you know, rolling the dice with um, William Elliott Whitmore. That was one of the first ones that wasn't even like a rock band. I think that was the first clutch tour that we did. It was like your holiday run. And it was, yeah, the sword, William Elliott Whitmore. Was it? It was just a fantastic build because William Elliott Whitmore, he's just a... Super minimal, you know, like banjo playing, foot stomping, dude. That's just a one man band, and uh, that was incredible. Just yeah, going. Yeah, I get just from like super metal band to like uh, you know, an act like that, and then and then clutch. Yeah, people people ate it up, you know. And you've been to these you know festivals where it's like, here's twelve hours of death metal, you know. Yeah. <laughs> and you, you, the sword walks up on stage, and all of a sudden, you sound like the Almond Brothers. We do. Yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> I always used to say that. Uh, so who did I say? I was like, it was, we sound more like Crosby, Stills, and Nash than Amon and Marth. But you know, it's, yeah, <laughs> that you know that work that, that'll work out in your benefit. And I think people love the variety. And you know, if they love your music, they're probably going to like the music that you're listening to that informs what you write somehow. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's never so much the idea of doing a favor. It's more just wanting people to walk away from that show thinking you know they they are satisfied you know with however much money totally and it also makes them aware that the next time they see a clutch bill with two bands they've never heard of on it they know they're probably going to be amazing you know what i mean you just you kind of have that reputation for bringing out uh, great bands uh good I'm, I'm glad to hear that because sometimes it's it's excruciating you know there's been times where you know we kind of didn't want to do it and we were surprised and other times we were you know but for the most part i think clutch fans have a like a, a sincerity detector or a bullshit detector if, if you, as long as you go up on there and you believe and mean what you're doing people are going to love it but if you're just yeah. if you're going through the motions thinking here's our third song is it's going to be our radio hit well, no, they're gonna. The bullshit detector is gonna redline, and mm-hmm. they're they're not gonna have it. You uh, actually, uh, this is a funny story for me because uh, I was managing a band uh, called American Sharks, oh, yeah. who were who were my favorite band in the world. I absolutely loved them. It's the only reason that I never wanted to manage a band, but they were going to. They were talking about being managed by somebody else, and I was like, no, 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 don't do that. If anybody's <laughs> going to manage your band, it's going to be me. But anyway, uh, I got them a record deal, and the record was coming out, and I needed it was my job to get them on some tours and stuff. And um, uh, I can't remember exactly what tour it was, but I, I walked up to, I, I believe it was JP, and I said, hey, JP, um, I've got this CD, and it's just this, it's this band that I'm managing, and I was just wondering, and I, I, I didn't even finish. And he goes, yeah, we'll put them on tour. <laughs> I was like, you haven't even heard it. It could be horrible. He's like, no, no, it's fine. We'll put them on tour. Well, that, that's <laughs> a like, testament to yourself because I mean, if you're, I, I know, if, if you're yeah. going to put yourself in that position to ask, then it, I think the assumption on his part, you know, in his part was like, well, you know, it's good if he went there. You know? and, and and I've always appreciated y'all for that because um, y'all ended up even touring. Uh, we did a, a Sharks Sword Clutch tour, but even after that, y'all brought them out a couple of times and uh, y'all always had a good time with them, always treated them very well. And I'll, I can never thank you enough for that. They're awesome. And, you know, I, I, are they, are they, they're still making music, right? Sort of. Um, here and there. Uh, it just, everything's kind of difficult to, to get a band together these days. Uh, right. After I, you've kind of been through the ringer a bunch. But, uh, they, you know, 
I, I have faith that there will be a third American Sharks record Good. one of these days. It's just that it took them awesome. seven years to follow up uh, their 19-minute <laughs> <laughs> debut. So, well, I like uh, I like uh, Rocky's you know country alter ego. That's great. That's good entertainment. Yeah, we've uh, I've actually had him on the show too. Uh, it's it absolutely hilarious. Like all these silly videos he makes and all the, the fake history and stuff. I love a, a, a facetious uh, alter ego. It's like uh, that that like thing that, that um, uh, what's his face did the the country um, the achy breaky heart guy. What did he do? Oh, what's uh, his name? Uh, uh, the the Billy Ray Cyrus. Billy Ray Cyrus did his alter ego. No, no, not what, no. It wasn't Billy Ray Cyrus. It was. Um, oh, you're thinking of Garth Brooks? Yes, Garth Brooks. When, well, when he did a uh, uh, Chris Gaines, Chris like Gaines, Goth and he kind of looked or whatever. He kind of looked like he should have been like a Las Vegas magician. <laughs> yeah, oh, that, that, I need to go look that up. I haven't heard that. That's doing forever. it wrong. <laughs> yeah. Oh my lord, forgot about that. Uh, my goodness. But one uh, one thing that was really fun for me. Uh, about getting to know you guys over the years and everything like that was uh, whenever we uh, accepted a tour opening for the reunited Caius uh, minus Josh homie as, mm-hmm. as Caius lives. Um, I, I, I think I, th- I know you came out in, uh, in DC to the nine thirty club. Yeah. And, uh, and then JP came out to the, the show in new Orleans, but uh, that was the first time I had ever really seen y'all at, actually just be music fans mm-hmm. you know and just like thinking about that and like did you, was that a band that y'all kind of looked up to back in the day or was it were they sort of colleagues of y'all's you know what i mean or like uh, did you know each other at all or anything like that or were, were y'all just fans of the band we did not know each other um caius you know that's one of those bands that when they existed they were really a band's band you know other bands heard it and were like holy shit this is awesome uh, and we were no exception because they just, they were the soundtrack to many, many tours, you know, late at night, just listening to, you know, when the circ welcome to sky Valley or when the circus leaves town and just loved them. And, uh, I only saw them once with that lineup. We saw them at the bottom of the hill in San Francisco and it was amazing. And, they weren't, I think there's a, because they don't exist anymore as a band, there's a perception that they were huge, but they weren't. They, they were, mm-hmm. they had a, a very niche audience. And since their disillusion, have kind of spawned a whole subgenre. You know, some people will call it stoner rock, but I'm sure you, when you go to Europe and it's like the opening local band sounds exactly like Caius. Yeah, totally. And it's like, you know, they got some name like, you know, Rattlesnake Dorado, you know, (laughs) (laughs) or, you know, or, or, you know, something very deserty. Like, do y'all even have rattlesnakes over here? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Have you ever seen sand? Um, Right. But it's, um, huge fans never met them until, uh, Later on, after the band was well, you know, done, you know, met Josh here and there, but won't won't go so far as to say that as we're you know friends, we're not in their contacts list or vice versa. Sure, but love them, absolutely love them. 
It was just it was fun to see y'all just uh, yeah like teenagers. Oh, like I got I remember when they were playing and shit. Yeah, yeah, I'm, I remember going to that show. And I the thing is, you know, speaking of dad rock, I don't get out often. So mm-hmm. when I do, I become that guy who just like gets kind of a little bit ahead of himself. So I got I got pretty lit that night, and <laughs> you know, just try you know became the you know nineteen year old version of myself. But I remember it very well, and it was it was. What was nineteen-year-old Neil like? What were you? What were you doing then? Uh, nineteen. So that would have been, God, school, University of Maryland. Nice. Um, I think there was a period. There was a period of time where I was kind of vacillating. There was I was going to do one or two things. Uh, join the United States Navy or be in a rock band. And the be in a rock band never really was something I thought as a career choice it was just something fun to do to put off a career choice right so i just put it off and put it off and here we are 30 years later um still putting it off and i'm, I'm glad i did but uh I, I think john paul i've always thought about this as like tim and john paul are the guys that like when you met him in sixth grade they were like i'm gonna be in a rock band <laughs> they, they were just they had already made up their mind before puberty that they were going to be in a rock band. And I was not that guy. I was kind of, I'd be the guy constantly vacillating. So in some ways I kind of hitched myself to their, their, their determination that they were going to do this hell or high water. And I just kind of went along for the ride in, in, in a lot of ways. Yeah, that's awesome. I, I was definitely one of the ones that was like the second that I saw MTV in 93, I was like, oh, th- that's what I'm doing. Yeah. Uh, I can absolutely do that. Uh, just give me that chance. I mean, I grew up in a really small town in West Texas, and there was absolutely nothing to do. And, no, you know, there's no internet, nothing. That was MTV was like my lifeline, you know, to like the the world outside that I was like, I, like there are people like me. I'm not a total fucking weirdo um, in, in, in that. But, um, but y'all, I mean, did Clutch definitely, you know, got signed in that wave of bands you know, or like that, that time when everybody got signed, mm-hmm. you know, kind of like post Nirvana and everything like that. But you did, you didn't really have a whole lot of like MTV play, did you? Or am I mistaken on that? Honest to God, the only MTV play we had was on Beavis and Butthead. It, <laughs> Mike Judge loved um, uh, the Shogun A. Marcus video. And so Beavis and Butthead approved of it. And I think, I don't know if it was on the same episode, that there was a Morbid Angel uh, video mm-hmm. and they made fun of it and I remember being you know kind of just dumbfounded at this world that we had kind of stumbled into I'm like wait my we're on MTV and these cartoon characters like us but they're making fun of Morbid Angel <laughs> what's going on man what's happening <laughs> you know that's wild and uh, that was the uh, really the only time and then you know Bam Margera kind of got us in the back door at MTV too, but you know, Clutch is not a band that's you know writing the feel good summer hits. We're just you know making our music, and it's a, it's in a lot of ways. Sometimes when our music ends up in movies or or um, a TV show, it's because probably a production assistant is a fan of the band and says, "Hey, use this." It's so it's not because we're we're actively shopping, you know, to mm-hmm. do that. Uh, but that was a crazy time, and I I only knew 
I can only think about it now in hindsight because at the time that I didn't have any point of reference. That's a good point. Yeah, it's uh I, I don't feel like I had any reference until everything stopped. I mean, the sword kind of it had been on a hiatus um, for almost two years, I guess. And we had, had planned to come back before, um, you know, the, the pandemic uh, occurred and everything like that. So it's a uh, hiatus is kind of drawn on a little longer than we all anticipated. But it, it, it when you're in a band for that long, doesn't time just stop almost, you know, and like it, it's it, it, once we sort of just unplugged the machine it i was able to really like look back and be like it's been 15 years oh my god like what year is it how old am i yeah what you know what i mean <laughs> does it does does time kind of stop like that for you in a, in a way like like mentally you're still 22 or something you know it, yes and i think that's a good thing um and i'd if you if we had been doing like a thing that we loathed time would just grind on uh-huh. and grind and grind but when you get to, you know, when you get to go to a, uh, you know, a truck stop outside of Berlin, and that's the only place, you know, you get to poop, and you're scared, and you don't understand the language, everything's stimulating, <laughs> you know, everything's new, it's constantly new, and I think that's a big part of the appeal of it, um, just the travel, and the meeting people, and make, to I think to be able to do something that you love, and make a living at it is one of the rarest things ever. And I only knew that until, you know, I think I be- until I became a father and you take it for granted. Cause you think, well, this is something that either I do until I do something I hate or I, I was just destined for greatness. It's neither of those things. It's just, right. it's circumstance. And, um, it's, uh, time, you know, when we're coming up on 30 years as a band, it's wild. And it, it baffles me. And circling back to what... Oh, man, I hate that expression, circling back, but I just said it. <laughs> circling back... You can edit it out if you want. You know. No, you keep it in there. <laughs> the uh, When you're talking about phones, in some ways, um, yeah, that, that documentation is wonderful uh, for whatever reason. But in other ways, uh, not just relying on one's memory is it makes things kind of it's a soft focus in some ways um mm-hmm. I, I wish i'd one of my greatest regrets is not keeping a diary or a journal um over the years you know i've started many but never followed through because laziness but i damn it i wish i had yeah so do i i mean, yeah I'm, I'm actually like smack dab in the middle of writing a book uh, <laughs> which also made me want to, uh, yeah, or made me wish that I had kept a better account of that because, and that's a, another reason that I've uh, sort of started this podcast was to talk to people um, that we toured with in the past and stuff like that to sort of help jog my memory uh, because just because you remember something a certain way, it might not necessarily be the way it went down, you know, and that's mm-hmm. um, yeah, stories can kind of bleed together and and things like that. But uh, yeah, so writing this book was uh yeah it's one of those things where i was like i could write a book and then once i actually started i was like shit yeah (laughs) yeah that's no you know the thing i've well kudos to you first of all um but writing a book i mean a blank page is a blank page when you you're trying to write lyrics you have a tempo and you have a rhyme scheme you have Uh a key and you have melody which takes out a lot of the guesswork but a blank page man that's that's daunting 
It's scary. I just uh, what I did was I just uh, threw on some headphones and I put on you know a record that I was into at the time uh, that I'm trying to remember and I just like vomit the words on the page. That's really like the the only way that I can get started and then it'll sort of take shape from there. But um, yeah, we'll see how it goes. I, I kind of just wanted to to shed a light on what the music industry was like, you know, sort of in, in the time that I came up into it mm-hmm. and uh, how it's all changed and stuff like that. But, you know, um, it's not, I'm, I'm certainly the least famous person to ever uh, attempt a, a, a memoir <laughs> <laughs> like this, but that's okay. It's not about that. It's about just uh, sort of experiencing. I, I feel like the sword was just one of those bands that, you know, we're like one of the last bands to get to experience a huge arena tour. Or, you know, mm-hmm. to get our video on MTV for like, you know, the, the week before they stopped playing videos and stuff. So, um, you know, we'll, we'll see how that goes. But y'all, you know, y'all came up in a time when I, I like to, uh, I don't know, it's the right way to put it. But but when music was important, um, you know, it, it, it music just f- was a life force for for everyone. You know, there was there was no social media. There was no real Internet to speak of and stuff like that. And y'all like that going to the arena shows back then was I mean, I know people say like, you know, oh man, seeing this band was like a religious experience, but like, no, it was like going to church back yeah. in those days. If you got tickets to go see Megadeth or whatever, like that was what you were doing that week, you know, and, and yeah, nothing would stop you. Um, uh, I, I know you guys did a few like arena style tours. Cause I mean, you were, you're out with Sepultura and, um, did you do like uh, white zombie and Marilyn Manson, like bands like that? Were you all out with those cats? Well, the, the... The Sepultura was certainly not an arena tour. Um, oh. They were like kind of larger nightclubs, um, but not White Zombie. Never toured with White Zombie, but we did tour with Manson, and that was um, that was a four month tour. Um, My goodness! It, it started right right before, right at the beginning of his career, just skyrocketing. I think it was at like the Sweet Dreams Are Made of This was becoming a huge hit and they kept extending dates and extending, extending <laughs> dates. We went to, we played Toronto twice on that tour. Uh, you know, oh it was like God. the beginning and then at the end it was a different season. Um, and I, it, Mar- Marilyn was a dead set on having us. Uh, he insisted on having us. We, I, I think we were kind of dragging our feet. We just thought it was an odd fit. We finally said, sure, you know, and, I, in hindsight, I think, and speaking for myself, I had a real piss poor attitude that whole tour. Uh, but it was one of the best tours we ever did. Uh, we were got in front of a bunch of people. I think he was expecting Transnational Speedway League, but we gave him self titled. <laughs> he was, you know, it was supposed to be, you know, Earthworm and Heirloom 13, but instead it was Big News 1 and 2. And, uh, it was a it was a learning experience, and we were very lucky to have had that opportunity. I think it was it was a different time. You're, you're right; it was um, not that much. It was kind of like you know the '70s and '80s and '90s weren't that different. Uh, totally. When, when you went to a show, you planned that weeks or months in advance. It wasn't on a whim. Um, it was a you whole, had to line up to get tickets. Yeah, you maybe go to Ticketron here or there and yeah. bitch about the dollar that you you know got tacked on for the ticketing fee, and um, it, it it's kind of weird that the, the the live experience kind of sat in stasis for so long uh, as, as as the same model, so to speak. 
and then changed really differently very quickly over the past mm-hmm. 10 years. Even, even still now it's changing. I mean, it's just wild. Yeah. The, the evolution that it's taken. Um, I, and, and watching it being in a band that was coming up during all of that and like pivoting and, and watching record sales just tank and watching the way people digest music change and stuff like that. It really, um, it wasn't what I expected uh, coming up as a musician and, and sort of, I guess, signing up for the ride uh, mm-hmm. that I witnessed uh, when I, whenever I found MTV and stuff like that. And uh, I, I, I wanted to ask you, it's, it's something that I ask myself sometimes is that like, whenever I saw MTV, you know, I saw like these cool people playing cool music for other cool people and, and, maybe making money and just traveling around the world, seeing everything and just doing all that. But, and then over time it's like, well, you're not going to get famous. <laughs> uh, you're, you're not going to get rich for sure. And uh, if, even if you do get a little famous, like there's, there's people out there that can get way more famous than you just by listening to your music than you can for actually creating it. Yeah. <laughs> and it's this super strange uh, environment. And I just, I wanted to, to get your opinion on what you think, the motivation for the, I guess what kind of person is going to become a musician these days? Cause the motivation to become a musician is completely different than it was whenever we were, you know, making those decisions and things like that. And I just, um, I, I mean, I, I think it'll still breed really good music, but it's just a completely different yeah kind of person that's going to want to sign up for that. Am, am I, I don't know. What do you think? Well, you know, it's, I hear you. There's sometimes my kid, he's 10 and he talks about, YouTube stars and, you know, people. And I'm like, who, what he does this, what in it's, there's no creative con. You know, there's no, there's nothing made new. Mm-hmm. That person doesn't take air and manipulate it into a new sound and organize it in a way that's a song or a painting. It's just talking. They're just, expressing opinions and you could see that on the news you can see that on youtube people become famous for expressing opinions and that's i have a i can't say this for certain but i have a suspicion this is a a flash in the pan in in the human you know experience we're going to look back at this or maybe our grandkids will look back at this and say wow what a bunch of weirdos they just yeah totally like you know (laughs) all they did is you know comment on other people's things or you know bitched about this video game that got delayed or what have you. But I, I think I, I drive some, or I, I have some solace thinking that the, as far as music goes, it's been around for hundreds of thousands of years. I mean, mm-hmm. really a long time, probably even in some ways before language. And when a live band communicates to an audience and back and forth that's like that's a sacred human sacrament and i think there's a lot of noise that's kind of interfering with that but it's going to stand strong because it's the foundation of our species and somewhere somebody's you know just humming a song now somewhere in the world and not caring that they're being filmed and that's a that's a sort of an instinct um not trying to wax too philosophical, but there's there's sometimes when we walk off stage and I feel like that was a religious experience in a lot of ways. Mm-hmm. I can I can tell you 
my about my first concert. Please. And but I can't tell you about the first the last thing I looked at on Twitter or Instagram. <laughs> you know, I I could tell you about my my first concert or the most the when I the most meaningful concert that was 40 years ago. I can't tell you what happened 40 minutes ago on my phone. And I yeah. I think that's what's going to stand the test of time. That's a good point. I I've always um e- you know, music having been around for that long, obviously, like it's it, it, it's only been in the last. I mean, since when the first Elvis record was in what, like fifty six, and then the bottom fell out of the industry. Maybe what, like oh six, <laughs> you know. So yeah. there was about only fifty years in that thousands of years where musicians could actually get super mega famous and rich, and uh, stuff like that. So it's actually like a, a pretty small amount of time, uh, relatively, uh, and. And I think that music's just going to kind of go back to that thing where that there's always just going to be that kind of person that 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 says, like, you know, playing this guitar and being dirt poor is still better than doing anything else. And, and people are just going to be singing for their supper, kind of like bards were uh, back in medieval times and things like that. And I, I think that's a beautiful thing. I think it's still going to what I'm most excited about, I guess, going forward is just seeing if there is another style of music because like you said earlier like this there's almost like this creative stagnation um with what's popular right now and i would i and also like you know musical genres have just been kind of done to death and, and mixed and matched and you you get the impression that there there's nothing nothing new to discover but i refuse to believe that i think there is a new kind of sound that just hasn't been made yet and i hope um i hope it happens sooner it, it, than later yeah not only I, I, not only has it not been you know discovered yet it already has been made it's just we haven't stumbled upon it i mean i'm Mm -hmm. often conflicted about the internet i mean it's it was in some ways the worst thing that happened for people making a lot of money in the music industry but the best thing that ever happened for music fans and i'm totally and i'm both of those people so um you know I, i make a living or try to make a living making music but i also go on youtube and you know listen to shit for free and it's it's amazing. Um, mm-hmm. it, there's so much music from the past that I never ever would have stumbled upon if I walked walked into the local record store um, because of you know there for example there's a Brazilian accordionist that Chris Brooks from Lion Eyes who was playing with us I think he's called Il Maestro or something like that I I can go on, I can check him out right now if I want it's it's amazing it's amazing. <laughs> And, uh, that or like if yeah if you've heard stuff that like it's like super obscure and you're not going to be able to find it anywhere yeah you can just get on YouTube and, and yeah look it, up. it, it uh, makes yeah. me kind of miss like it, it, it's like when you went to the record store and you had to decide like how you're going to spend that ten or twenty dollars and you uh-huh. like rang your your hands together like what do, do I buy this or that <laughs> now it's you you have it all and you know kids uh, I hope they. It's, it's, I hope they understand that, but who knows? It's, uh, yeah. Like we had to find out about big star, the old fashioned way. Big you know? star. <laughs> yes. <laughs> you had to know somebody older that just knew what was cool and tell you that. But, uh, well, Hey man, uh, thank you so much for, for gabbing with us, uh, for a little bit. I, I really appreciate it. And, um, yeah, if there's anything that you have coming up that you want to, to play for us or anything, like I'm happy to, to throw in a song here at the end. Um, sure. You if you want to play, um, the joy of homeschooling that'd be great to touch back to I, what we were to, what we were talking about earlier 
Yeah, I would love to. That'd be great. They, that was just so cool. They would love and, it. And uh, awesome. Well, well, thanks again, Neil. And uh, yeah, I, I cannot wait to see y'all again soon because I know we're going to come out uh, through the end of all this uh, just even better than before. Show, shows are going to be amazing. Uh, aren't they? Yes. People are going to lose their goddamn minds. Yeah. I, I think if anything, maybe we, sh- we should invest in like, you know, venue security companies because that's going to be a booming industry in about a year. <laughs> I can't wait. Well, uh, uh, thanks again, man. I really appreciate it. Thank you, Kyle. Thanks so much for tuning into the highway this week. A big shout out to Reverend Guitars, Railhammer Pickups, and Earthquaker Devices. If you liked what you heard, you can follow where you can follow, subscribe where you can subscribe, and if you want to go one step further, you can support us on Patreon at The Highway with Kyle Shutt. For a few bucks a month, you can help us keep this party going, get early access to next week's episode, and even get yourself a shout out. <laughs>